Well, Shauna, I got back from the USAT National Championships in Milwaukee the other weekend. Um, and, you know, as I am, as I tend to do, I looked around the 2,500 strong transition area that we were in for the Olympic distance. And I didn't really see um, many uh, folks of color there. Obviously, I'm reading people by their skin color, so that isn't necessarily accurate, but it was predominantly white. Um, and then a couple of days ago, USAT published a video recap on Instagram, and the video featured um, a good number of folks of color and then also a good uh, diversity of body types and ages. Mm. So I felt like it was really intentionally done. So I definitely want to give USA triathlon props for that, but it just gave me a little bit of pause actually, because I wondered since that isn't the reality, at least in terms of racial identity, is it deceptive to release such a video that is, um, kind of giving an image of an event that isn't perhaps true? Ooh, that, that is a juicy concept. I think it's so Oh, interesting. You know, what comes first, the the diversity in the media that you want to draw or having the diversity in the event that you want to portray? And I don't know which one is right. Maybe a little bit of both, but let's talk about it. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. So first, Lisa, congrats on heading out to Milwaukee and finishing up a good race. I know a lot of folks have had a little bit of a, a funk around their training and, and showing up to events and we're uh, hopefully on the tail end of a pandemic. So kudos to you for making it out there and, and really hopefully having a good day out there. Yeah. Um, but it's clear that the folks that were with you may have predominantly looked like you, right? Is that what yep. you're saying yeah, here? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. I'm not exactly sure what the gender breakdown was. There were a lot right. of at least people I read as women there. Um, I haven't looked mm -hmm. at the statistics to know whether there were more men or more women, but, you know, right. as, as always the 40 something white woman group is enormous. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. Um, right. You know, there are lots, mm -hmm. lots of people that look like me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, I, when you brought this up to me, it was such a chicken or the egg concept that you and I both have probably seen a lot, especially in our field of higher education, where it's like, you know, looking at all the marketing materials where you want to recruit a diverse student body or diverse faculty, and then the underrepresented students or faculty get there and they realize, oh, the campus doesn't match the media, right? And, and right, it feels right. kind of like a similar concept where, you know, I got here thinking, hey, there would be a diverse cross-section of folks, and now it's not. So should I consider this bait and switch, or should I consider this mm -hmm. hopeful marketing here? Because yeah. you're hopeful, you know, and and so it's, I don't know if it's a damned if you do or damned if you don't situation with the marketing that you're portraying who you want, but it's still not who you have, so you're still in the middle. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, right, in terms of low-hanging fruit and how organizations and events can do a better job with their marketing, both on social media and generally. Um, and I guess I hadn't really thought about it until I saw this video, you know, based on my own experience about how that could be perceived as deceptive. I mean, the people were there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like they 
they dropped you know an african-american male into their video who wasn't at the event because we know that that has happened before right yes absolutely Mm -hmm. um but you know Mm -hmm. does that then send a message to um folks who are curious about triathlon who haven't otherwise seen themselves represented in the sport that oh if i if i do a triathlon it's going to be really diverse racially or it's going to be really diverse Mm. in terms of ages or body size and then they go and then that's not their experience so right right it feels like a bit of an ethical choice and uh, yeah and um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i'm not really sure how to answer it but i do think it's worth thinking about Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think what's really interesting, too, is that, you know, I wonder if, Lisa, we're calling for event planners and race directors and so forth to have some type of uh, alignment with it. So, for example, it would be one thing if uh, black and brown people and people with different body types and, and different abilities were all splattered across all of their media And there was language throughout their website, their registration links, et cetera, saying we encourage everyone to participate in our event, regardless of da-da-da-da-da. So how is the projection of diversity in media aligned with their statements to the world saying we want more people who have been historically underrepresented to come and try the sport with us? That's quite different from just putting a picture on a website or putting yeah. a picture on Instagram. I, I think that would be a bit more authentic if the messaging, the branding throughout the entire year, you know, in between events, if that more so told the story of, we know we don't have this much diversity throughout our, our race. However, we want it. We'd like for you to come. And so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a different concept than, oh, we're just going to make it seem like they're already here. They're not. People right. of color, women, many of us in those underrepresented smaller groups know that they are not there necessarily. And so you don't want to necessarily call their bluff, but I think it's a bigger systemic or a marketing plan, a branding plan that should include all of that. I don't know what you think. Yeah. So like on a job description, right, where it says we encourage people from historically marginalized groups, you know, and then they li- maybe list a whole bunch of things to apply. Um, That's right. So are, are you suggesting some language kind of like that would be really helpful on these event sites? Yeah, I think something would be helpful because it just you're right. I think it does call into question the authenticity of the event if it's not happening. And, you know, we, we're not picking on USAT in particular. I mean, we can talk about lots of different events and organizations around the world. I mean, you know, Lisa, I think I told you about this a while ago. So uh, back in 2018, um, I went to, I went across the pond to do London Try um, for my 40th birthday year, if you will, with a few of my girlfriends who wanted to do the event. And we started watching their social media, specifically their Instagram page for a year prior to competing in this event. And I only saw one black male in any of their Instagram posts for a year prior to us going to that event. So I knew once we got there, we probably would be several of a few people of color that were participating in that event. We, we knew that. And so, mm. and I know it's going to be different than the United States. I, I get that, but I still think that, you know, Even posting him, was that just, oh, well, this just happened to be the first picture we found. Let's throw it up there. Or what does that mean exactly? Because it's very clear that there are certain people 
that are not highlighted in social media. So therefore, I don't think they should expect to be welcomed there with open arms necessarily because there's no intentionality behind reaching out to those folks. Yeah, I'm fairly sure that the organizers of that triathlon were not thinking about race. Um, Mm -mm. So, Mm -mm. But okay, Mm -mm. so let me turn that on its head and say, what if for one year you had been watching that Instagram account and, you know, newsletters and such, and it had, they had done a really great job in terms of having diverse images, um, stories from people of all racial and national identities, older people, younger people, right? And so you had looked at all of that marketing and you had been, wow, this is a very diverse event. And then you rolled in and it's like you and your friends and maybe five other folks of color. How would that have made you feel? Do you think you would have felt deceived? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I would have felt deceived. I I think this sounds like it's so far down in the weeds, but I don't think so. It would be different if like they did where they just posted one picture of what I uh, read as a black male on the Instagram post and said, hey, register for the London try. And that was all they said. But it would be very different if they posted, hey, check out, you know, Shauna Payne Gold that came all the way from the US to compete in London try. We're so excited to see more women of color in our sport. Go to this link and register. That's a little bit more of a different story. It's a more complete story, but it's not ignoring the fact that the diversity isn't there to begin with. I think it's speaking to the both hands. Mm-hmm. Um, with, without, and, and of course, you know, you, you get permission obviously from these folks to use their images, but, you know, making sure that the story is told, you know, we're excited to have more women of color in our sport. If you'd like to join us this year, here's mm-hmm. the link to register. Yeah. You know, I, I think that makes more sense than just slapping a picture on a page and saying, Hey, register. So being transparent really? about the fact that there's a problem in triathlon or in cycling or in running, right? And then there you go. with you know with some depth and some stories versus mm-hmm. just a picture. So I'm thinking about during the Olympics, USA Cycling had a commercial that ran. I don't know if you uh, saw it, no. but it was um, something about everyone's a cyclist. Um, oh, it may have also run through the Tour de France, right? And the Tour de France is like. white, right? There's folks from um, Central and South America there, I think, but I believe there was only one rider who identified as Black um, uh, participating in the entire race. And um, so they had this USA Cycling and it was an incredibly diverse commercial. So they had a number um, of well-known African-American riders male and female and you know white riders and then they may have had some young and older riders so it gave off this image that usa cycling is for quote unquote everyone right so and i know that usa cycling is also like usa triathlon is trying to do better in this area but it just it felt again like that's not the reality. So you're showing this commercial, you're saying it's for everyone. And we've talked about just saying this is for everyone isn't mm-hmm. sufficient, right? That's In terms right. Of like That's who, right. who does that welcome? Who doesn't? So, mm-hmm. you know, I was also thinking about that, into, but then I'm also thinking, you know, seeing women riders, if I wasn't a cyclist, seeing women in this commercial and then having them look like they're enjoying themselves and saying that writing is for everyone and here's what's good about it, perhaps would be influential to me, even if the sport writ large doesn't have a lot of women writers. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Well, and and again, I think, you know, going back to your point around, I think the word that you just used around the um, stories that go along with the media, depth, 
you know, I think that's what brings the depth. You know, I, I saw a picture, this was of a race I did a couple years ago, and there was this lovely woman that was riding on her bike. She was down in her aero bars, and you could clearly see that she was a woman because she had on, um, she had on the same color lipstick that matched her kit uh, because she was running for, she was uh, racing for some type of cause. And she had a really long gray ponytail coming over her shoulder. So you could tell that she was of a certain age. And it was just the, the best thing ever because it showed so many different identity groups at the same time. But they also had the adjoining story of, hey, this is, I don't know, pick a name. This is Irene who's racing in her second triathlon. She spent two years losing 100 pounds in order to join us. Will you come and join us too? That to me brings depth versus just slapping the picture on. Or I, I think these stories are very important because the narrative is what people connect with. I think the, the visual is important, but there's always more behind the story. So it kind of reminds me of, I forget what show this, I don't know if it was SNL or what show it was on, but basically it was this funny thing that um, that this person would do as the host where they would pull up an Instagram picture that didn't have a quote or a story with it. And it would ask the celebrity to explain what's really going on in the picture. I feel like that kind of stuff should happen more in triathlon. Like what's really going on with the person in the story. And for those of us that register for races and so forth, a lot of those registration pages even have a text box where you can tell folks a little more about yourself, who you are, what you do, et cetera. Those are the stories that they actually use for social media marketing a lot of times they use it for announcing your finish line at a race. All of that tells a story that other people can connect their stories to. And so uh, part of me right. wonders, how often are they reading them? You know, for, for those of us that fill them out, how often are they reading them? You know, how, yeah. are, are they being utilized in this way that mm -hmm. brings a human connection to diverse viewpoints? I, I'm not sure they're being used as, as much as they could be. And that might yeah. be somewhat of an easy fix of this chicken or egg situation that's going on. Right. Because you've got the information right. Um, yeah. yeah. For my very first marathon, I think I wrote in the box or something. This is my first marathon. Yay. And they didn't read that out when I crossed the line. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, yeah. I was such I was in such a I don't know. I was probably lightheaded by that point. But <laughs> I do remember at the end of my first 70.3 the person behind me, they read something about her information. Um, and it was really nice because, you know, for you, it makes you smile at the end. Uh, there's been other races where um, at several different points, let me uh, just shout out once again, Rev3. We did a little recap of them before earlier, but um, as they collect registration information about you, they actually use it in the finish line call. They use it uh, in the little notes in your um, packet pickup. Um, so things that I wrote in my notes, like, you know, I'm the mom to Trey and Kendrick, they actually put those in the little notes that I, we're sure Trey and Kendrick are so proud of you or, you know, whatever it is. And so why not use that with the social media? So it is more authentic. So people can connect to it. I, I think that's ready-made information that might be a little gold mine that race directors and event planners can dig back into. Yeah. Like in the run-up, right. They have all this information. They could reach out. Um, mm -hmm. what yeah. do you think about, in event registrations, obviously gender is asked and we know that there are some sticky, sticky pieces with that, but do oh, yes. you think um, race uh, or events should ask racial identity? Mm, well, I mean, I think they, I think part of me wants to say yes, 
Um, for me, I like collecting all of the identities, right. um, as many as possible. Um, but that begs the question, here we go in our, our data rabbit hole here, Lisa. Um, do you want to collect it, but what do you actually want to be used? Right. You know, so as a, so if I were, um, let's say a, a trans individual, but I may not want that to be, you know, shouted at the finish line, for example, or let's say I'm a sickle cell survivor or what, whatever identities I may carry. I may want to collect that data for as a race director, because it's useful to make sure that my race is as inclusive as possible. Then I can ask for permission as to what I want to use when it comes to social media, marketing, et cetera. Um, so that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. now that takes a little more detail oriented work, but I still think that could be done too in ways that still tell the stories. Yeah. So that was what I was thinking. Um, it wasn't necessarily to say it at the end of the race. It was more one, because then you get a picture of who's participating in your race. So you can say, yes. oh, we had, you know, 2% African-American people in the race. We need to do better there. Right. So it can help you really think about strategy yes. forward, but then it could yes. also say, okay, we have this many, you know, I'm thinking about fast chicks and, uh, you know, of mm -hmm. all of the women of color that participated in that race, you know, I know yes. you have, there's an agreement, there's like a relationship there, but in, in the event there wasn't a relationship, right. Then mm -hmm. it gives the race director the opportunity to then say, okay, let's, let's be really intentional and make sure that we're featuring a wide range of people in the run up mm -hmm. to the race and then right. do what you said, which is contact their folks, um, mm -hmm. and ask permission to share their story. Right. Absolutely. Reach out to them to ask permission to share their story. I've even seen race directors use that type of data from the previous year to go and actually visit certain uh, triathlon clubs and, and events and so forth to personally invite them and tell them about their races. So yeah, it just gives good. you a, a great opportunity to kind of connect with them. And so so for us, for example, for Fast Chicks, uh, the race director uh, prior to actually every year that we've gone there, um, he records a video just for us that we post on our closed private page where he talks about everything that he's doing to hopefully make everything as comfortable as possible for us on race day. And it's it's personalized. You know, we hear some of our names in the video. It's just really nice to feel included. And he now does that for various clubs to make sure that they feel welcome and invited. Some of the clubs that are mostly women, et cetera. So, yeah, that. I think that data could inform media and all the other touch points that mm -hmm. race directors and event planners could mm -hmm. utilize in order to get more folks there and more diverse folks there at the same time. I mean, it's just good business, uh, in my opinion. It's just good bottom line business. Yeah. And so with that race, right, if they released a post-race video recap that um, was similar to USAT's and was racially mm -hmm. and age diverse and body diverse, then mm -hmm. that feels like that is more, that's more true, right? Right, um, right. Because they're, they're already there because they've done all this mm -hmm. legwork and USAT mm -hmm. is doing a tremendous amount of work. So I certainly don't want to say that they're not, I think they're doing a great job, um, mm -hmm. but they're, they're doing the projection of what they want triathlon to look like, right? In the context right. of this like two minute or one and a half minute mm -hmm. video. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. it, I mean, I feel like we're leaning to the ends justify the means, right? The mm -hmm. kind of like creating media that tells stories that has diverse representation of faces and people in it, yeah. even if that's not the reality, mm -hmm. will lead to 
this is where we want to be. So we're going to project said image and then hopefully we'll get there because people mm-hmm. will see that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and right. I agree with you on, on all those points. And I think, you know, once again, I think the, the cultural humility of naming it, you know, what, what would it mean if a particular race said, this is our vision of what triathlon should look like. Oh, We're right. not there yet. We're not there yet. Come and join us so we can get closer mm. to this goal. Mm-hmm. I think that's more authentic than, hey, we took the five people of color in this whole race and posted them up in a picture and said, we're diverse. No, you're not. You're not. We'll, we'll know that the second we get there. You're not. And so I, I just think it tells a better story of this is how we're striving to do better because it ends up being a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. If you don't have any diversity in your photos, people definitely won't come and they, well, they'll vote with their feet. They just won't come, period. Um, so if they're not there, you're not going to grow your sport or your event. If they are in media and we show up and they're not actually at the race, eh, that's questionable. But if you tell the truth, right? not only right. are these the people who were there and we want more here, please help us to make this vision happen. That That's a different level of authenticity so that you don't get dinged on portraying something that isn't true and or saying and doing nothing about the lack of diversity right. in the sport. Right. So which 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 apple do you want to bite here when it comes to that work? You know, yeah, I think I mean, it would be yeah. better to be authentic. I mean, and part of why we're bringing this up, I guess, is because it's not, it isn't clear, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I just think it is a little bit, it's more complicated. It isn't just slapping a picture on an Instagram account. And I know that we've talked about that before. And so yeah. I think it does warrant for folks who are in charge of the social media to think more deeply about that. But I love, love, love your idea of just putting it out there, right? Like, yeah. here's yeah. the video. This was so much fun. Um, this is what we want triathlon to look like right mm-hmm. and we are not there yet um right and, but we're right. so excited for um folks who came to this event spread the mm-hmm. word like you know something like that you know i think that is authentic right that recognizing yeah. triathlons and cyclings and running or at mm-hmm. least running you know african-american history of running especially has been erased it's there right that's right um, that's right um mm-hmm. you know i think mm-hmm. being honest about that also gains points right that's right that's rather right. than absolutely. trying to gloss it over with a video yeah. without commentary absolutely absolutely I, I think that's that's fair and appropriate and I think I mean you know I we can speak from our own experience Lisa where you know for example outspoken actually used a photo of me in my wetsuit um for some of their branding for what two years ago I think it was yeah yeah um and you know asked permission to use it which of course was completely fine with me But I thought it was also very important to have a person who is perceived as black in a wetsuit, which is a sport where lots of people have created stereotypes around people of color who are Mm -hmm. not swimmers Mm -hmm. or supposedly not swimmers. When, in fact, we have a long history of swimming, diving, lots of other things prior to enslavement. And so I thought it was a really important statement. Now, everybody, know, or at least in my community, in the Black community, we know there's lots of great Black swimmers, and we know there's lots of swimmers of color. But I do think, again, there is some, we, we need a psychologist on here, there is some connection between actually visually seeing something and actually making it clear to yourself that you can do it too. Because I, I can't recall right, right. ever having seen 
a person of color standing there in a wetsuit about to start their triathlon. Like I, I don't recall right. seeing yeah. that ever yeah. before getting involved in the sport. And so for me, I really love that picture. That was before uh bear triathlon in Delaware. I really love that picture because it's a reminder of, or it's a reminder of my history, but it's also putting it in our faces that, yeah, you may think that certain people don't swim or can't swim or won't swim or aren't built to swim. Here's evidence to the contrary come and join us. We're out here. Come and do it. And so I, I think that's an authentic mm-hmm, story. Mm-hmm. And that's in alignment with what Outspoken is all about. So right. I, I think that's key. Yeah. And, you know, Sarah and I are cognizant that we're both white women and we're doing this event for women and don't want to fall into the trap of white feminism, which is just completely exclusionary in mm-hmm. terms of which women are included. And so I think, you know, we're trying to be thoughtful around when we say women, we mean all women um, right. of all racial identities, but so often that defaults to white heterosexual, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I don't know. I love that picture too, because I think you're just exuding joy. <laughs> you know, it's sunny, you're smiling. It's such a beautiful photo. So um, that picture, I, I must say I was, well, that was when I was like uh, two years fitter than I am right now. But <laughs> But no, I love that picture too, because most people who know me, I actually started out as a runner and now swim is my favorite sport because it was the most challenging one for me. And so now the swim is is my favorite part of of triathlon at this point. So it does make me happy. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing though, is that that flies in the face of the stereotype of people of color don't swim, or if they do, they just muddle through it because the goal is just to get to your bike and your run when it's something I do because I love to do it. The challenge is real for me. And so I just, I think it kind of rebuffs mm-hmm. lots of stereotypes around people like me who do what I do. And and that's why I thought it was just perfect that you all asked to use that picture, even if it wasn't my face. I think a swimmer of color would have been so appropriate. And so that's how we get closer to the big right. goal of right. we want more color in the water. Like, um, the, the running the running joke that we had at Rev3 um, as the fast chicks were there was, oh, I think I see a brown elbow. I think I see a brown elbow. It's like, yeah, we're looking for people of color in the water because it's flying in the face of almost every stereotype about what we do, who does it, who doesn't do it. Um, and so it, it's important to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think um, I don't know if we came to any clear answers at all here, but I do think that, again, we're practically begging people to be very intentional about what they're doing and why they're doing it in regards to endurance sport and how we kind Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. envision and build the vision around who we want to be a part of what we love to do. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm looking at my notes here and I just want to say this one last thing, which is a little, it's connected, but I just want to put it in there with, you know, in the same vein as racial diversity and portraying the makeup of your athlete, um, group. I'm also thinking about folks with disabilities, right? Like, so we -hmm. also need to be featuring, featuring folks with disabilities in our marketing, in our media, but not disingenuously. So if you're showing images of like the one wheelchair athlete, um, but that wheelchair athlete had one hell of a time trying to get into your race and and had to jump through a bazillion hoops, right? Because Mm -hmm. of quote unquote safety concerns or whatever. Right. Um, then, you know, you're setting up this false narrative that it's an accessible race, that's and that's right. not the case, right? So to then your disclaimer of what you said, Shauna, like, you know, you feature individuals with disabilities in your marketing and in your social media, and you say, we are an accessible race. No matter your ability level, we will work with you to make this a smooth experience. Reach out, right? Like, so mm-hmm. you're actually putting some text with that versus just kind of this like, 
almost like, yeah, this inspiration pornographic image around like, right. look what this person is doing. So I think what we talked about today is really can extend beyond um, racial identity and can be extend beyond any identity group that has been historically left out of endurance sport. And so I just wanted to throw that in there at the end, because I think that's an important addition. Absolutely. You know, I think that's so key. And Lisa, we're always, as we're creating a podcast, we're creating other podcasts. And so eventually, I think we do need to have a really good deep dive into what it really means to have inspiration porn, because I think social media and projecting what you want to build endurance sport into, it's a fine line between that and inspiration porn. But that doesn't mean we Mm -hmm. don't want to see our faces in the media. We still want to see all of our faces there. Um, We want to attract people. So I don't know if we've given people a good answer, but I do know that intentionality piece is so important across all the different identities. So I'm glad that you brought up that last one. Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. The Unfazed Podcasts and all things Feisty Triathlon are grateful to be supported by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker cuts through the noise of diet and wellness trends by analyzing your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to provide you a personalized, science-backed, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is a simpler, cheaper, and more convenient option than traditional blood tests, and their test includes biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from the traditional option. What we love about them? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. Inside Tracker is offering 25% off their entire store to the Feisty Triathlon community. To claim your offer, go to insidetracker.com slash feistytriathlon. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at try to defy, at Dr. Gold Speaks, or at Outspoken Women in Tri. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time. <laughs>